Euh, dites donc, Nadej, euh, comment aviez-vous recruté le nouveau si rapidement la dernière fois Bah, LinkedIn. Ah bon, parce que là, j'ai besoin de toute urgence d'un ingénieur en IA. Alors, où est-ce qu'on peut le trouver Bah, LinkedIn. Mais j'ai pas le temps de voir mille candidats, moi. Comment on va faire Bah, LinkedIn. Bah, 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 bah. Vu l'urgence, vous êtes vraiment confiante, Nadej Bah, oui. Avec 8 personnes recrutées par minute sur LinkedIn, pour tous vos recrutements, il y a, bah, LinkedIn. Pour en savoir plus, rendez-vous sur linkedin.com slash je recrute. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show with me, Pulitzer Prize winning podcast host Adam Bayfield and joining me in the studio for the 318th time. <laughs> is my childhood friend and now grown-up acquaintance, Tony Kerr. Hello. 318, crikey. I mean, you can easily say that at the start of every programme. Every programme? Every show. Also, you're always so astonished whenever I mention what number of episodes you're like. If if, uh, next time I'm like, joining me for the 319th time, you'll go, 319, crikey. (laughs) Can you believe it? You'd think you'd have noticed that we'd done this quite a few times, Tony. Yeah, I think maybe we should drop the episode number because people will be wondering, like, why are we not kind of present like anchoring Sky Sports cricket coverage by now? Why are they still doing this? <laughs> yeah, we'll delete all the previous episodes, and next week's one can be called like episode five or something. Yeah, exactly. That's no, good though. It's been a little while, as ever. Life is very, very busy, isn't it? But hey, we're in a little. Uh, well, I suppose the IPL is going on, isn't it? But but we're in a, a little sort of cricket lull internationally, aren't we? So. We can be excused a little break before we uh, come back swinging in the summer. You've come out very defensive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just getting my excuses in early. You're you're very defensive from the get go tonight. Who's been complaining <laughs> about the lack of episodes to you? I don't think I had any complaints. Has Diddy Haman been on the phone again? How are you doing, Tone? As you say, it's been a little while. Been a few weeks since we last recorded. How's life? You've had a day off today, haven't you? Yeah, rare day off. What have you been up to this morning? Uh, what have I been up to? When I got here, you were in the middle of wolfing down an enormous spaghetti bolognese. It was huge. When you let me in, you had bolognese sauce all over your face. Still some in your beard. It's a, it was a big bolognese, so that set me up nicely. Get me through the next couple of hours. <laughs> it set you up nicely to burp your way through, uh, <laughs> through the 318th episode of the World Cricket Show. Uh, well, what are we talking about tonight? We're, we're, what we're not going to talk about, Tone, well, this is probably a promise we can't deliver on, but we're not going to talk about the England test team. We've, uh, we've talked a lot about England's failings in test cricket over the last sort of three to 19 months. And of course, since we last recorded an episode, they, they failed to win a test again. We, we last recorded after their defeat in the first test in New Zealand. They didn't win the second test, so they lost the series there. Uh, but yeah, that was that was ages ago now. Uh, perhaps we can talk about some other things today instead. We've got some listener questions to answer. I thought, you know, instead of us putting together award-winning content off our own backs uh, like we normally do, I thought maybe it was time that we give something back to him, we give something back to the little people. Time to give the plebs a voice, I thought, and uh, let them ask a few questions. Uh, so we'll be getting through some of those tonight. But before we get there, let's start by discussing what has probably been the biggest story in the world of cricket over the last week or so, the 100, 100-ball 100 cricket. 
the ECB's plans to introduce 100-ball cricket when they launch this city-based franchise league uh, in a couple of years' time, which have proved universally popular. Um, this is how the BBC reported the story. Dan Rowan, writing the original article, you're a big fan of Dan Rowan. So yeah, I no, love a bit, Dan. That video of him, I don't think we talked about this when we discussed ball tampering, that video of him uh, haranguing Darren Lehman and David Warner as they're coming through the airport was pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Is your career over, David? Did anyone else know David? I, I, Are you going to be dropped today, David? Dan Rowan is a, he is a very good, he's very good at <laughs> what he does. let your country down, David? He's just got such a specific style, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, anyway, he's written this article, so you know it's a big story when Dan Rowan... <laughs> When Dan Rose yeah, basically, when Dan turns up, yeah, it's time to get worried. <laughs> so his article is, ECB hold talks to introduce 100-ball formats and new competition. The England and Wales Cricket Board wants to introduce an innovative 100-balls format to its new eight-team city-based tournament. The concept could see innings consist of 15 traditional six-ball overs and a final 10-ball over. That would be 20 balls shorter than traditional T20 matches. Those devising the competition believe a 100-ball countdown would attract new audiences and be popular with broadcasters. ECB Chief Executive Officer Tom Harrison said, quote, This is a fresh and exciting idea which will appeal to a younger audience and attract new fans to the game. So I believe you've got some opinions on this, Tone. I'm going to ask you to, uh, to open up that briefcase of hot takes again and give me your hot take on this idea. What have, what, what have you made of all this? Do you know, I, I don't know where to start, really. I mean, it has... It's got tongues wagging, hasn't it? Uh, as you'd imagine. Yeah, pending any future job offers, I am prepared to <laughs> reconsider my position on the 100. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I've seen a few people coming out in support of it who may well be lining up tasty uh, commentary gigs <laughs> off the back of this. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. It's true. When, when I uh, first messaged you about it, your reply was, what are they smoking? <laughs> <laughs> but then when... When I uh, messaged you last night to put it on the agenda, <laughs> you were like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about it. It seems like a great idea. I'm wondering if you've been that ECB marketing meeting that you went to over the weekend, I think has uh, turned your head a little bit. Yeah. I, look, I'm, it, we could, I think we're going to talk about this for a little while, aren't we? So let's not, you know, let's not rush into anything. Uh, I mean, just to, just to, for a bit of background, broadly speaking, I was uh, behind the new uh England T20 franchise competition you know I haven't really paid huge amounts of attention to the blast over the years it, sporadically for sure but I, you know I don't think it it's not capturing an audience in the same way that like Premier League football does this is it just seems on the surface utterly bonkers and the more I've thought about it the worse it's got I, I just don't understand the rationale, the for so many reasons. I mean, let's just take the whole argument that it's going to be it's simpler to understand for mums and kids. So yeah, something Strauss has come out and said. That's it. So I've got the quote here, just just to kind of uh, flesh that out. Andrew Strauss kind of came out on the defence of this idea, much like you at the, the top of the show here, Tony. He came out uh, very defensive from the get go. His quote is that it'll, uh, is it'll be aimed at mums and kids during the summer holidays. What we're trying to do is appeal to a new audience, people that aren't traditional cricket fans. We want to make the game as simple as possible for them to understand. Now, some people have taken umbrage with this use of 
mums and kids and yeah slightly patronizing and uh, without defending it too strongly you know i think it's probably harsh to be too critical of strauss for using the expression mums and kids i kind of know you know he's it's a euphemism for new audiences now i don't think he meant that no women understand cricket or that uh at the moment no women like cricket because that's obviously ridiculous but so so I'm, i'm probably like slightly less offended about that than other people but then i'm not a woman or a kid anymore so uh i won't i won't sort of take offense on their behalf but the idea that 100 ball cricket simplifies the, the game is just that's a nonsense to begin with yeah how is how is 15 overs of six balls and one of 10 which could be bowled by up to three bowlers how is that simpler than 20 overs of six balls for one it just it just isn't is it uh well i guess the idea is that they're almost like not, so overs don't really exist they'll not refer to overs it would just be on the uh, there'll be a big screen that as i saying they'll have a in quotes countdown going from 100 to zero one ball at a time but will they still swap ends well yeah that's it that's why so they'll still have yeah. to uh, what will they call it <laughs> yeah, the change of ends well they'll still have six. to do the end of the over won't they but i guess on the scoreboard and in terms of what people are seeing in the ground i assume that overs won't be referred to or won't be referred to that much it will just be going down through the balls but i completely agree with you i don't really see how that is much simpler or on the other hand if you'd say like cricket is in their defense cricket is complicated cricket is a complicated game the rules of cricket are complicated it is difficult to kind of induct someone into cricket isn't it if you, if you sit down with someone who's For never a lot of watched secret it, handshakes a lot of uh, <laughs> you know oils and other things well there's just there's so much terminology isn't there so much jargon it field placings you know if you listen to like you can listen to cricket commentary for upwards of 10 minutes and they don't say a single thing that makes any sense <laughs> to anyone who doesn't know what you know doesn't know anything about cricket when they start talking about short leg silly mid on cow corner all that kind of stuff there's a lot of very complicated stuff about cricket but i don't think that the breakup of six ball overs is the most complicated aspect. I don't think that you're really solving very much by changing it from 20 overs to 100 balls. Yeah, I mean, th- so it seems like the the major rationale for that, apart from simplifying it for mums and kids, has been to to shorten the match to make it fit in between country file and, and whatever, the 10 o'clock news or whatever on BBC. But we'll come on to that. But yeah, I mean, in literally one sentence, they're saying... You know, 100 ball cricket will simplify it for mums and kids and the 10 ball over at the end will add a new tactical dimension <laughs> which presumably complicates it tactical dimensions complicate things also the last thing cricket needs is a, n- a new tactical dimension cricket's got <laughs> endless tactical dimensions everything in cricket is tactical mm-hmm. more or less so uh, yeah I mean on the surface level it just seems bonkers to me I think also as you say it does seem like it strikes me very much that this is a kind of uh, what's it called post hoc like after the fact justification for this idea in that they're now trying to spin it that what they're doing is simplifying it and it's going to be this great exciting thing that there's 100 balls where it's reading between the lines it seems like essentially what happened is the BBC came to them and said yes we will have this on BBC one or who knows it might be on BBC four but we will have this on uh, terrestrial TV but it's got to be no more than two and a half hours. We're not, we will not take it if it's longer than two and a half hours. So they've, they've looked at it and thought, well, we can't play 20 overs in two and a half hours. So it's got to be shorter. And then someone had some, you know, 24 year old in the marketing department had an idea. Well, why don't we, why don't we make it a hundred balls that kids love round numbers. They're now trying to spin it. This was the idea all along. 
But in a way, I mean, whether it will still fit into two and a half hours, I think they're taking a risk if what they try and do is, you know, is really play up the number of balls remaining. Because already, you know, the is it David Lloyd that coined the phrase, you know, every ball's an event in T20. I could imagine it taking it a really me, long time between balls. Sorry, I'm, I kind of talked over your Jake there. <laughs> Sorry, I think that might have been me. I was really hot on phrases when T20 came along. 2020 is 50-50. That was your famous yeah. catchphrase, wasn't it? Um, famous. Yeah, by sort of playing up the concept that, you know, every ball's an event, I can imagine that it's going to take, there's going to be a really long period of time between each ball. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be ever-increasing. Like Each ball matters so much that they're going to be changing the field even more between each ball, that there's going to be a lot of tactical discussions going on between each ball. And it could end up taking just as long. Yeah, quite. You could sort of envisage a situation where, you know, whatever, Downton Abbey, oh, it's ITV, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, Poldark is on after, uh, you know, is on next. And you sort of rattle through the last 10 balls. It's <laughs> like, come on, let's you know, get on with it. Yeah, well, as you say, the 10 o'clock news, like a, a message goes out to the middle. Hugh Edwards is, uh, is doing his voice exercises. Yeah. You need to get on with this. Or, so whether it's it's because of that that they decide to do this or whether it's because this is the other quote from Andrew Strauss. T20 has become a longer and longer format of the game. It's more than four hours in a lot of parts of the world. We want kids to be able to go to bed earlier. So that's, I think that's what this is all about. He just wants kids to go to bed at a reasonable hour. Sleep is important to kids. So, you know, that's, a, that's an admirable mission. Um, but I do think it's a terrible idea. I think two things. I think one, it's pointless or it's actually counterproductive, as you say, they're, the idea that they're trying to simplify things, I, I don't think it's going to simplify things. I think it's going to make it more complicated. I think they're, they're not going to achieve what they think they'll achieve with this. And two, I just think it's stupid. It's actively trying to dumb down the game and in this really offensive way where, yeah, as, as you mentioned, by saying, we're just trying to make it really simple so that even mums and kids can understand. You know, it's like, it's confusing women with idiots. And uh, the way, whether that's just whether Andrew Strauss just misspoke there or whether, I don't know, it, it, it didn't come across very well the way he said. I don't said see that, at it, this stage how they can go ahead with it just based on the reaction so far. I mean, A, who's going to be who's going to turn up for the first match of the 100? It ain't going to be mums and kids and it's <laughs> yeah. not going to be any, no cricket fans are going to turn up now because it's, it's, it's so laughable. No one's going to be watching on TV. I, I, I don't know, I just think, I mean, they haven't actually formalised the plans, have they? Have they? Or have they? I don't know. Well, that's well. The the headline of that BBC article is that they're in, in talks. In talks, but it does seem like they're set on this idea. But then I don't know whether. I mean, do you think they anticipated this reaction? Did they think that? Yeah. You know, did they did they think that people would be so upset about it, or did they think that people would be like, "Oh, that's a brilliant idea! Can't wait to see it in action." I mean, I think like regardless of how good it is as an idea in isolation, it, you know, if it had come along fifty years ago. But just now, I don't know, like it, it, you know, the whole thing's a laughing stock, isn't it, already? I mean, they've already offended, you know, got up the nose of traditional county fans who don't want a city based or, a, you know, don't want these new allegiances to be created or try to be created. So, you know, they've already pissed off those people. Now they've just annoyed your, you know, your kind of non affiliated county fan. I just don't think they know what, what what's going on at the moment. And the other thing is, like, where is it supposed to fit into international? Are we going to have a World 100 at some point? Uh, like, are they expecting other countries to follow suit? Because the IPL and the Big Bash 
aren't going to change to be 100 ball competitions, are they? That's completely unrealistic. You you do five weeks of the 100, and then what the, the mums and kids who have gone to see that then turn up to watch a, a T20 that England are playing, and then they're like, what's what's going on here? This is this is baffling now. Uh, I I just I don't know, I don't know where it fits into the overall picture. What the, literally the last thing cricket needs is another format. Yeah, well that's that's like, absolutely I right. Mean, it, it's literally, I mean literally the last thing cricket <laughs> needs. Like it needs another like it needs a match fixing scandal sooner than it needs another format. There's at least one format too many already. At, already, and as you as you say, like who's going to turn up for the first game? Like who's going to be excited about this idea? Because they've almost said that this is actively not for cricket fans, so they're you know they're they're trying to bring in a new audience, but that audience don't know that this is what they want. They're, the only way you can bring a new audience in is if there's already an audience for it. Like you know, if you're trying to bring mums and kids in, you need you know they're presumably going to need to have you know either their dad or some other people they know going already and saying, oh, why don't you come along? It's good. It's a lot of fun. You know, I, I can't see how you can, in a world with so many other sports and, you know, other things to do. Have you heard about these Game Boys tone that kids are on <laughs> all the time? You know, I, I just don't see how you can effectively market something from scratch, which is what they're almost going to have to do if they, as you say, piss off all the existing cricket fans. And it, I don't see, like, it's it's such a betrayal of what they're actually charged with doing. Although it it's not necessarily it's not necessarily as big a change as they think. As I say, it's it it's just like a slightly shorter T twenty, but with an extra bit thrown in. But at the same time, the the reason for doing that is to like try and make cricket more accessible, like make it appeal to a different audience. Well, you know, you c- I've got an idea to make cricket more accessible and more popular. Let's uh, you know, let's get rid of the bats and get rid get rid of the stumps. Make the ball larger and softer. We'll put goalposts at each end, and so the players can only use their feet. You know, if cricket was football, it would be more popular. If you change something fundamental about the game in order to make it more appealing to people, you know, you're kind of missing the point. Like, it, 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 yes, I understand that there might be an audience out there who are currently untapped or who even feel that they've been sort of shut out or alienated from cricket before. But if the only way to reach that is by alienating your existing audience, like that's just very counterproductive. As I say, you're not going to reach that audience if there isn't already, if there, you know, you're not going to bring extra people into the ground if there's no one else there. Like, exactly. Yeah, the, the best way to surely attract people to cricket is to have really good cricket. That yeah. There are lots of people already watching and loving and lots of coverage for. Now, that's the whole point of, that was surely the initial idea of the the tournament you know lots of has been said about the ecb i don't know if it's throwing the toys out the pram is the right expression but sort of having introduced t20 professionally then to sort of miss out on the uh you know on actually capitalizing on it properly like the ipl have done like the big bash but you know england you know there are very well as we know obviously there are very few established cricket nations uh you know all of them have very special things about their cricket which which makes them special and and, yeah and and england is no different so like you know a t20 tournament properly kind of marketed you know that 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 will be special in its own right you don't need to they don't need to go and create all these come up with all these gimmicks and uh, uh, new stuff Uh, yeah well especially when as you say there already is a format of the game that is very popular and is, is actually is bringing in new types of fans. I mean, this is the thing, like, because some people have 
pointed out in defense of this idea that these sorts of reactions that we're having were also in evidence in 2003 when the ECB introduced 2020 for the first time. And, you know, the word gimmick was flying around a lot then, wasn't it? People thought it was a silly idea, that it was a gimmick, that it that it wouldn't last. That's undeniably true. But the difference, yeah, for me, 2020 was a fundamental change to the way cricket was played. It was so much shorter. Instead of taking at least a day to play a game of cricket, it was over in a few hours. It was a brand new format. It was something that was genuinely revolutionary. There's nothing really that revolutionary about this. It's, it's a lot less revolutionary, I think, than it seems. At bottom, it is just a slightly shorter 2020 with a pretty pointless extra bit that actually makes it more confusing, not less confusing. All you're actually doing is annoying people by making it you know feel like not proper cricket when there is in t20 a format that works and when you've got leagues around the world like the big bash that are having a lot of success in bringing in that type of crowd that they they supposedly want to attract with this i just don't think there's anything wrong with you know good old-fashioned t20 so like i i don't see what the point is that it feels to me like they're just trying much too hard to do it's either just that they're as i say that they're spinning it that they were told it's got to be two and a half hours and now they're trying to spin yeah. it. Or that they, if that's not the case and it was that they actually did want to do this, they're trying far too hard to come up with something original and innovative. And, you know, there's a line in Spinal Tap that there's a, a fine line between clever and stupid and uh, they've crossed it. I yeah, think. I mean, as you said, I don't think there is anything, yeah, there's nothing innovative about this. It's basically, it's it's new shit packaging, isn't it? Yeah. On, on, a, on a good product. I don't know. It's, it's kind of like when a, you know, when your football team releases a, we've seen it a few times recently, where your football team releases a new badge, which is just like laughed out of the the office. Uh, and, you know, every single one of the, the clubs that's happened to have pretty much had to backtrack, haven't they? You know, Leeds United was a classic one recently. Uh, it's kind of that, isn't it? It's the sort of, it's a, it's a, a nonsense redesign of something that didn't really need uh, redesigning. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, cricket, fans cricketers love stats like how like what's going to happen it, it, apparently they are going to have the matches will have official designation by the ICC but they're not 20 they're not going to be applicable to 2020 stats are they I don't know w- which players are they going to get I mean I guess they're going to be offering decent money but if I was a international cricketer I'd probably just you know take a couple of weeks off and, and focus on other, on other stuff Yo, I'm sure they will get people involved but it's just like the whole thing is a mess isn't it like the fact that the t20 blast is going to run as well you know that in the same summer you'll have this competition and the t20 blast presumably there'll be that means there'll have to be no championship cricket for three plus months while this is going on it's just a bit of a mess i saw someone describe this 100 ball idea as being the classic you know a, a camel is a horse designed by committee and that this is what the whole thing feels like the fact that the T20 Blast is there as well. Everything about it is like, instead of just having an idea and being confident in that vision and running with it, uh, they've ended up, yeah, they've had to compromise to have the T20 Blast as well. They've had to compromise to the BBC or whichever broadcaster it is that says it's got to be two and a half hours. Okay, we'll water it down. We'll have 15 overs and 10 balls. You know, it's, you know, supposedly they're trying to emulate the Big Bash model, but this isn't the Big Bash model. In, the, in those two very fundamental ways, it is not the Big Bash model. And, I just think they've, they've made a string of pretty bad decisions there. How's Andrew Strauss's position looking at the moment, do you think? It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because I loved Strauss as a player so much, and Strauss, the captain, was superb, wasn't he? He was such a 
intelligent, you know, thoughtful, very measured figure as captain of the England team. And when he was appointed to this role with the ECP, I was quite pleased about it. It felt like finally there was someone sensible steering the ship. But in the last year or so, some pretty uh, egregious things coming out of the ECB. It's not great. Is it? I'm with you. I, you know, I really like Strauss, but I don't know. Who knows where the decisions are being made, particularly on, on you know, on this. I mean, I, you know, a few players have come out. I know Root and, and Cook have both sort of back back to the idea, but kind of stressed that they they you know, I think well Cook said you know there has to be a place for Test cricket. But obviously, you know, they're they're, they're sort of probably having their arms twisted. Well, they're centrally contracted players, yeah, exactly. aren't they? So they're, they're, they can't yeah. speak against it. But I don't know. It, the whole thing is just a massive letdown. No, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not at all excited about it anymore. They're also, you know, in, in the few weeks since we last recorded an episode, the ECB have also, it's been revealed that the ECB are suing George DeBell for defamation uh, for an article he wrote about Colin Graves. Uh, they've also appointed Ed Smith as chief selector, which, I mean, I don't know what you think about Ed Smith, but regardless of what you think about him, is definitely has the feel, has the whiff of a jobs for the boys appointment, doesn't it? As someone who played with Strauss at Middlesex, you know, has supported the party line on various things, including criticising death of a gentleman. It, 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 it wasn't a, a great look, that appointment, I don't think. And then this 100 ball thing has been announced. So it's, it's been... A series of uh, very exasperating things coming out of ECB Towers. Yeah, and I, you know, I've kind of made excuses for the England Test team, you know, over the last couple of years, and I, you know, I don't think they're as bad necessarily, you know, as as some people suggest. But it doesn't look great with the backdrop of England having had a, a fairly, fairly very poor uh, winter. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the ECB and English cricket is in a bit of a, uh, yeah. The, there's very little positivity around at the moment, I don't think. It's it's really something to worry about because cricket is struggling in this country. There's no doubt about that. It's in, you know, in 2005 was obviously the peak, both on the field, but also off the field with people watching it. Since, you know, millions and millions of people watching it. And it felt like a very big deal, the Ashes Summer, didn't it? It was all over the front pages of the papers. It was all over TV. It, you know, people around the country genuinely were talking about cricket and test cricket in that case. But since then, it's just gradually gone more and more into the margins with it not being on free-to-air TV anymore. And, you know, that that's a quite a big debate that you, you know, can be on either side of it. But there's no doubt that cricket has sort of disappeared from the public consciousness because it's no longer on free-to-air TV. And I suppose this idea, one of the, you know, one thing you can say in its defence as well, it, it will be on free-to-air TV, this 100-ball thing. And if whatever they have to do to get it on free-to-air TV, maybe that, you know, maybe they felt that that was a sacrifice worth making and potentially will come to see it as a reasonable decision to have made but if the cost of that is that you push a lot of people who really care about cricket or more likely people who care a bit about cricket away from the game towards other things as I say onto their Game Boys and their you know start playing World of Warcraft or whatever you know it can ill afford to lose fans at the moment Presumably they understand that. That's why they want to bring in new fans with this. But I can't see how it's going to. I think it's going to have the opposite effect. Yeah, I, mean, I just, I don't see how they can they can press ahead with it. I think they're going to have to ditch it and come up with something else. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, obviously the sort of the, the inner workings of the, the discussions and, and whatnot with the BBC probably won't come to light. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think the ECB needs to front up and 
explain it better to cricket fans. Otherwise, it is going to get an, it's going to get shredded when it arrives. Do you think we will end up embracing it, Tony? Do you think we'll look back and think because that that is what a lot of people have had to do with T Twenty, isn't it? A lot of people have had to make humiliating climb downs <laughs> from their position, uh, the positions that they had initially in two thousand and three. Because a lot of people, as I say, did think it was a bit of a joke, as a sort of hit and giggle type thing. The first international T Twenty. Australia, New Zealand, where they, you know, was they all wore kind of retro clothing and fake moustaches and headbands <laughs> and things, and it was all just a bit of a lark. And now it's worth you know millions of dollars to individual players. I personally don't think that this is the same thing at all. Just because it happened that way once doesn't mean it'll happen the same way again. It's not as revolutionary, but there is a possibility, I guess, that we will look back and think, Do you know, what that was quite a smart idea. We did get it on the BBC. It did bring in, you know, kids who were too stupid to understand six ball overs. Yeah, I mean, you know, possibly, but I think, as you say, it is very different. You know, T20 is cricket, but just 20 overs. You know, it's a format of the game that we both played. It has been played by club cricketers for I don't know how many years. I mean, you know, the evening league in Guernsey, as probably with, uh, with, you know, all the local leagues across the country has been that, you know, in the ballpark of 20 overs, doesn't it? I think pretty much forever. Well, it has to be because of daylight. Yeah, exactly. You're playing after work. So, you know, it, and it is cricket, but having, I don't know, the, the idea that you're just going to suddenly change it to a, you know, a mixture of different over lengths with overs that can be bowled by more than one. I, I, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's such a small but annoying change. I don't know why they couldn't have just found a way to make the whole match shorter but retain the, the you know the actual the structural integrity of it, yeah. I don't know. Mm. Oh well, so that's something to look forward to. I'm sure it's something we'll return to in the future, Tane. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you want to have a look at some of these questions that uh, listeners have been sending in? Yeah. Some questions from the plebs in our new item. Questions from the plebs. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I'm being so harsh on our listeners. Tonight. Yeah, I don't know. Let's start with uh, this one from Bob. Uh, I said, what should we talk about? Uh, and Bob says, IPL, ideally not the scheduling aspects, brackets, <laughs> exclamation mark. Uh, but should England players be allowed to go? I understand the money aspect, but doesn't it downgrade the county game? Have you watched much IPL this year, Tone, so far? I haven't seen a huge amount of it. 
yeah, uh, there's another question which we had in from David McGrath, who says, uh, you guys uh, are great at talking about the experience of watching cricket. Has that experience changed over the years, though, especially following England's dominance in Oz and end decline and revival following the retirements of the 2013 Ashes? Now, I, I sort of took the first part of that question to mean, like, how we consume cricket and kind of follow it. And, I, you know, that sort of ties in as well a bit to the 100 and county cricket and stuff. You know, people, I've seen a lot of people say, well, actually, you know, county cricket is... Uh, is very popular. You know, there might not be that many people sitting in the stands on a Wednesday afternoon or whatever, uh, or a Thursday morning or a Friday lunchtime or other times of the week uh, watching. But there are lots of people, you know, listening on the radio, following the scorecards and whatnot. And I, I guess that's kind of the biggest thing that's changed for me and probably us is that when you're at school and at uni, watching cricket is really, uh, you know, is easy. When you're when you're not. When it you're is a working tough. man. It's tough to to watch that much live cricket, isn't it? That's it's not yes. an easy sport to to consume in full. I mean, no, that's that's true of every sport, but particularly cricket, I think. No, that's absolutely true. Like I've I've always felt that when people say that Test cricket is dying, and say, well, just look at the fact that the grounds are empty. You know, in certainly in the UAE, in Sri Lanka, West Indies, even in India, the grounds are often empty. And although that is concerning, like it's slightly misleading in that it doesn't mean that people don't care about test cricket. It just means that they find it, as you say, very difficult to get there on a weekday morning or afternoon. But they are following it. They're tracking what's happening in the game. They're following updates on live text or listening on the radio or or just, you know, on their app, on their phone or whatever. They're aware of what's going on. I guess the you know, the question there, and this is deviating away from both of the questions <laughs> that we're supposedly answering at the moment. Uh, the question there is whether, you know, that kind of very uh, deep, very passionate investment, but not financial investment is enough to sustain it in the long run. And the answer is probably no. Yeah. Uh, so hang on, what were you saying? That you haven't watched any IPL, but you have just been following it? Uh, yeah, I've been, uh, yeah, not, yeah, not perhaps as closely as I would other uh, stuff, but yeah, I've been been following a little bit and that, that's kind of it, isn't it? It's just, you know, you do have ready access to, to scorecards. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like it's really old. It's like, they've got scorecards on the internet, <laughs> live scores. You can find anything on the internet now. But, you know, you know, with, in this day and age with you know, clips and stuff and there's lots of good, writing about cricket and lots of uh, good stuff it's, it's it's impossible to keep up with everything i think unless you're podcast unless it's your day job yeah podcast don't forget some podcast. cracking podcasts out there <laughs> some really good ones uh but yeah i mean ugh, i don't know the the uh, the hundred has kind of taken over hasn't it in the last few weeks that's the big new format adam <laughs> everyone's talking about what it. is it i haven't really watched much ipl either but if it was 100 bulls i'd be right in there i'd uh, i'd be watching it every day no it's it's not my favorite section of the uh, cricketing calendar this this couple of months while while the IPL is on he doesn't want us to talk about scheduling apparently which is a shame because I've got a lot to say but perhaps people can can go back and listen to uh, the episode we did about the IPL last year uh, and the one the year before and the one the year before that and the one the year before that yeah. if they want to hear me uh, rant about why I don't like the IPL uh, and the number of matches that are played in the IPL. Uh, but it's a bit of a shame, actually, that I haven't followed it that much this year because uh, according to this table that I've got in front of me, yeah. King, Kings Eleven Punjab, my team, are finally doing well. Your beloved KXIP. Yeah, at the top of the table. They've got Chris Gale this year and they're 
They're ripping it up. But what about Bob's question here, which was to remind you, should England players be allowed to go? He's worried that it uh, that it devalues the county game or downgrades the county game is, is the word that he's he's used. I guess I think it, to begin with, they weren't allowed to go, were they? Yeah. Or, or they, they didn't really go. And you had a, a few years where only Peterson went or Peterson and Flintoff. Uh, but now it's obviously full of England players, isn't it? What are there, nine or ten England yeah, players? Yeah, I think you know, Joffre Archer was man of the match on his debut, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they've got to be. Like, you can't not let them go. Uh, yeah, it is slightly unfortunate, the timing, but it's hugely lucrative. Uh, and it And it's whatever you say about whether it's top, top level T20 cricket in terms of kind of match situations and, uh, and, and pressure and atmosphere and, and hype. Yeah. It's got to be, you know, it, the most intense kind of cricket you can probably play. So yeah, on that basis, yes, they've got to, they've got to be allowed to go. I think that's it. I think it, it's almost not the right question. Should they be allowed to go? Well, eff- effectively the ECB don't have a choice. Like they, if they don't allow them to go, if they don't sanction English players to play in the IPL, you would think that they would just go anyway, or some of them would, and that they would rather rip up their central contracts or even their county contract. Just say if, if they're being offered all this money to go and play in the IPL, for a lot of them, it's going to be very hard to turn that down. You know, maybe some of them, like Ben Stokes, might think, well, no, I, I play all formats for England. It's just about not worth it to go and play in the IPL if it means sacrificing that. But for the ones who just play one format or on the fringes of the side, like a Jason Roy or a Sam Billings, I just think they're going to go anyway, aren't they? And it, it, it's, as we've said before, although that would be, on the, on the face of it, you, you can be sort of frustrated with that as, a, as an England fan, as a fan of international cricket. The idea that anyone would turn down you know, potentially five to ten times their annual salary for eight weeks of work in it, in whatever field you're in is is laughable, isn't it? And yeah, the idea that the ECB could sort of turn around to Joss Butler and say, sorry, Joss, you can't accept a million dollars to go and play in the IPL. You need it at Scarborough on Thursday. You know, it's it's just not going to happen, is it? It's a, it's a non-winning strategy, that. So... I guess the concern would be what happens from now on because at the moment you say, well, yeah, they've they've got no choice. They've got to let them go and play in the IPL and it's probably a good thing in terms of developing their skills and, as you say, their um, experience of playing in front of massive crowds, uh, you know, intense atmospheres on the big occasion. It's probably a good thing. Yes, they missed the first month or so of the county season, but in the long run, it's better for English cricket that they do that. But the concern would be, okay, that's one thing. The international calendar, the county season can just about accommodate a two-month window for the IPL. But what happens when the PSL gets so big that it needs its own window? What happens when the Big Bash gets so big that it needs its own window? What happens when the IPL do a second season, which it would not surprise me if they did at some point? You know they can't keep adding windows into the international calendar because it's already too tightly packed as it is. So yeah, this is just about fine the way it is at the moment. But if if suddenly England players were being forced to choose between million dollar contracts in the Pakistan Super League and playing for England, then we really might have a a, a problem on our hands. And I don't know whether you know old duffers like me 
uh, who love international cricket so much are going to be uh, going to be too pleased with the outcome. Yeah, we're getting to scheduling again, aren't we? <laughs> it always happens. It is. It's the it's the it's the lowest common denominator of the world cricket show. We always uh, we always sink to. Uh, a few people asking us to weigh in on the news that Talksport have won the rights for for England's tours of Sri Lanka and West Indies this coming winter. So there will not be live cricket commentary on the BBC for the first time since I think 2005 was the last time this happened. But basically for decades, it's it's been on Test match special, hasn't it? Did you have much of a reaction to this time? There's been some furious responses on social media. A lot of, a lot of very angry tweets about uh, about Talksport taking the rights away. Have you heard of this Twitter? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting one. It's, it's a tricky one. I mean, obviously, yeah, TMS and and the yeah BBC radio commentary is so ingrained in uh, in in kind of cricket culture. So many people are so fond of it. It, it, yeah, it's it's I suppose you know it's the equivalent of match of the day, isn't it? Although that's maybe a, a, you know, slightly less relevant now. I don't know, uh, but yeah. Uh, so I can see why people were you know slightly put out by this. You know, I think th- I think it is a, probably a bit of a shame. Uh, I, you know, I don't know how big an audience Talksport is going to get for you know the Sri Lanka series, for example. I, 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 it's a bit of a punt from them. You know, I guess it, it wasn't up to the ECB, was it? it was the the host boards you know who uh, meet out the rights so you know if Talksport offered more money then you know Sri Lankan cricket shouldn't be expected to be too sentimental about you know Agger's week you know winter <laughs> away I don't know do you know what I mean it's like if Talksport offered more money then uh, you know that's it yeah and I did find so there was a tweet from Agnew uh, he was retweeting uh, Talksport's announcement that they'd won the rights and he said I think the response to this tweet speaks volumes I know our loyal BBC TMS listeners will be very disappointed and I'm very sorry I don't know I, just, I found that tweet slightly there, there was a bit of an element of kind of self aggrandizing there or self mythologizing as you say like it, it is an institution and rightly so to an extent but he was talking about it as though it was some like national crisis like it's <laughs> It's not the end of the world necessarily, and I don't know that TMS is perfect either. Like it, they've got some fantastic broadcasters on there, Agnew being one, and uh, Simon Mann, Vic Marks. But there are some less than fantastic broadcasters on there as well, naming no names. But Graham Swan, Jeffrey Boycott, and others. But you know, and also I think like this is a bit rich coming from us, perhaps, but. Arguably, they don't talk enough about cricket, or they talk yeah. they talk too much about things besides cricket. You know, all that kind of cake and pigeon stuff. Like, I understand that that's kind of part of the uh, the folklore of TMS, but it, it's 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 a little bit tedious for me. So, yeah, I I, I don't think so. In, to some extent, I felt that there was a, a bit of an overreaction to this news, as though like the Queen had died or something like it. It's a shame because I love I do love TMS. It's a big part of my cricketing life, particularly my cricketing winters. Um, and if, as a lot of people are afraid of, talk sport, you know, fill their coverage with ads, you know, and with you know if the commentators are going, and it runs away for four, and you get four for one at Jack's trade shop, four for one on cement bags, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like that's what people hate, and rightly so. But yeah, I don't know that it's the end of the world necessarily. And it might be a good opportunity for some new voices, um, for maybe a new approach 
to you know, freshen up the way things work because it is it's very TMS is quite set in its ways, isn't it? And it, it you know they, it could be it could force TMS to to up its game a bit as well. I suppose that the big downside for me is that having talked earlier when we were talking about the hundred pools stuff about how since cricket disappeared from free to air TV, it's been sort of ever more pushed into the margins. This is another step towards that because, as you say, I, I, I don't know how many people will actually be listening on Talksport. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know if I can get Talksport in my car. I don't know here in Guernsey. Well, so apparently, it's going to be on Talksport Two, which is not on DAB everywhere. Right, so. and also, like, I, yeah, I'm very rarely slash I've never been to the Talksport website, so I don't know. But it, then it's it's a slightly different thing for us here in Guernsey, isn't it? Because we've never really had access to it. So, mm. uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not really ever been a, a big sort of part of, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, like, that's the thing with sport, though, isn't it? And <laughs> not to get to sort of just broadcasting in general, but, you know, the way sport is getting like chopped up and moved around it is, I don't know how much of it is positive for the sport itself, really. Uh well, a related question from Matt. Given the TMS TalkSport news, how about a composite six of your ideal commentary team? Uh, well, this is easy, really, Tony, isn't it? You, you, straight away, Danny Morrison, first name on the team sheet. You've got to have Pommy and Bangor in there, haven't you? Kevin Peterson would be... Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I jest, Tone. I don't know if you could tell that I was joking there. I, did, I turned on the IPL the other day, and Peterson was on commentary. And uh, I actually had to switch off. I genuinely can't watch cricket when Peterson's commentating. Like it was, there were a few times during the Ashes where I almost had to switch it off. But obviously, I care deeply about that cricket, and that 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 uh, overrode my burning desire to switch it off. But I couldn't handle it uh, when I turned on the IPL. He is terrible. <laughs> He's got probably the worst broadcasting voice I've ever heard, and will not <laughs> stop talking. He just won't stop talking. Yeah, I don't know. No comment, really. <laughs> You're not lining up another job with KP, are you? Well, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? <laughs> the Tony Karen KP show. I mean, yeah. Coming I mean, soon to talk sport. Composite six. Mm. Your dream commentary box. Dead or alive? Dead and alive? Well, my composite six includes a couple who are no longer with us. So I, I, yeah. I've taken it to be dead or alive. I mean, I mean, it, yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Because certainly... I think my overriding kind of cricket memory of watching cricket on TV was the Channel 4 coverage. What year did that start? 99, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... It was 99 to 2005. Yeah. I I don't remember a huge amount about, of like, commentators or watching cricket before then, really. I don't know why. That seems to be the overbearing memory for me. Yeah. Well, I I must have done because I, I remember watching... England, South Africa in 98 and the 97 Ashes and England, West Indies in, in 95. I remember all that, but I don't really remember who was on commentary no. that much. Um, what, we, would have, we would have been sort of 11, I guess, 12. What, in 99? Yeah. Yeah, 12, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, my main point of reference is really Channel 4 and, and now Sky Sports and, yeah, a little bit of radio thrown in. I guess BT then as well. It's sort of the, the back of the winter. The post Mambo number five era is <laughs> yeah. what we're talking about here. Isn't that it? is very much, uh, very much it. I, I think I would have Mark Nicholas in there. Really? Yeah. Wow. No, maybe not as a commentator, but just you know pulling the whole thing together. <laughs> well, do, but do you want an actually like sort of 
you know, do you want your, your third man, your your host, your anchor, or do you just want six? Well, no, third man is Nick Knight, like <laughs> permanent. Yeah. Like that's just a welded to the third man's chair. <laughs> I want six and one in the studio, as you say, anchoring anchoring it all. So yeah, is is Mark Nicholas? I know. I'd, pro- I'd have Gower in the studio. Gower, I, okay. I do. I just think you know it feels proper when uh, Gower's there. <laughs> you know, no disrespect to you know your Alex and and the, and the like. Uh, but yeah, Gower, and then maybe Mark Nicholas on the pitch, uh, you know, on the on the field pitch report. Just, just, no, just, yeah, just to do a little bit of extra, maybe the, the toss and that kind of stuff. Uh, then NASA Atherton. Mm-hmm. Don't think we can not have Atherton. Uh, sure. Can I have an extra one in the studio? I feel like there's got to be a place for Colville. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you've got Colville, Nicholas, and Gower. Yeah, it's it's. It's top heavy. It's real ego wars in there. <laughs> uh, definitely Willis. Even though Willis has jumped the shark in recent years, there was a golden era of Willis where he didn't. No one had told him how brilliant him being angry was. Because uh, now I think he, it just sort of hams it up a bit. Uh, so how many? How does that leave me? Well, you've said Gower, Nicholas, Colville, Willis, Atherton, Hussein. So you got you, that's a team of six at the moment. But let's say that. Colville and Gower are in the studio, so let's give you two more. Holding. Two more. I don't know. Oh, one I, more. One more now. You sort of feel bad, like, I don't know, it's quite English heavy there. I guess, you know, you're leaving that space open for for the, the touring side. Right. Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, the host the host side. I think you've thought about this far too, like, pragmatically. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's like, uh, well, I, I've, I probably haven't chosen the right makeup of the, the commentary box. Uh, I've, I've got a bit sort of Garth Crooks team of the week where he's like eight strikers yeah. and one defender. <laughs> Do you want to hear mine? Yeah. I've put a lot of thought into this thing. This question came in a week ago and I've been <laughs> thinking about it more or less nonstop since then. Uh, so I've got one in the studio and then six on the mics. So I've got Ian Ward in the studio. Ward. I prefer Ward to Gower. I agree with you that it feels more of an occasion when Gower's when Gower's on screen, but I just think Ward is a brilliant broadcaster. And um, so then my six in the commentary box. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional talking about this thing. It's very uh, talk about Wardy. <laughs> I just love Ian Ward so much. Um, okay, so I've got three English commentators and then three international. Like it. Uh, okay, so my three English are Atherton, who I think is the best commentator in any sport. Your eyebrows shot up there. <laughs> I just think he's brilliant. I don't know. I just just the, the confidence with which he said that. Uh, no, I, tough to disagree. He would be in the picture for for best commentator. So insightful, but also so likable and just like a, a great voice for broadcasting, a great gift for broadcasting. Like he's he's just a great commentator. And he really, he gets just excited enough to make you excited. All the you know down and that kind of stuff when a catch goes down <laughs> but not like really over the top like kevin peterson and like full-on yeah like there's, there's screaming the... all the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just wailing yeah. there's uh no there is there's definitely there's a real beautiful light and shade with atherton isn't there yeah, there's a real art to that yeah and he and he's just and he's measured he's mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't go off on one hussein is next on the list and he's very similar i think i think he's uh one of the best commentators in sport as well for very similar reasons great style 
really interesting to listen to. I think with Hussein as well, he's got that intensity to him and mm-hmm. he's got those sort of piercing eyes when he when he is animated when something has got him going you you sense how much he feels it as well mm. which is quite nice i think with both Aston and hussein i listen when they speak where i whatever they're saying I'm, I'm in <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well he's next on the list <laughs> uh, yeah whatever they're saying i'm interested to know what it is uh so they're the first two and then I, i've gone for agnew there. Now, obviously, he doesn't do much TV commentary, and I guess we're sort of assuming this is for TV. Uh, but I do think, you know, I, I get frustrated with his opinions sometimes. But I think he's a brilliant broadcaster. And, and much like you were saying with Gower, like it feels it feels like much more of a thing when Agnew's on commentary. When he went, he had to go home, didn't he, from the Ashes tour because uh, his wife was having cancer treatment. And it, you know, there was definitely something lacking from TMS when he wasn't there. He's, he's a real presence. Um, so they're my three English commentators. Then uh, three international. And as I say, uh, a couple of these are no longer with us, unfortunately. The first of those is Richie Benno. I mean, what can you say, really? Just a genius. Tony Cozier. Uh, similarly, great insight and just one of the best voices in history, I think. Uh, and finally, Ian Smith. Ian Smith. <laughs> Ian Smuff. <laughs> <laughs> From New Zealand, who I just think is great as well. Like, always... Uh, always a treat to listen to and famously does both cricket and rugby commentary so uh, a real uh, a real polymath <laughs> that's the right word so uh, yeah I've got Ian Ward Atherton Hussain Agnew Benno Cozier and Smith no place for Colville well he can do the verdict him and Willis yeah. can do the verdict in your dream yeah if you look at your notebook now it's just every page is just different combinations of of commentator yeah <laughs> Sean Pollock scribbled out. <laughs> We're going on a bit here, Tone, but uh, one final question from Chris Hudson. Perhaps you could explore Jersey's match against Vanuatu. My team are touring there next weekend and I hope to see it on TV. Now, you are the Channel Island sports reporter, Tone, so you should know something about this. Yeah, well, I know a little bit anyway. Uh, yeah, well, both both teams are involved at uh, World Cricket League Division 4, uh, which gets underway this weekend in Malaysia. Uh, Jersey just been promoted back to Division 4 after winning Division 5, surprisingly, uh, last year. And I don't know, it's a pretty open tournament. There's there's yeah, there's Jersey and Vanuatu, they meet on the opening day. And then there's Denmark, Bermuda, Uganda and Malaysia, the hosts. And uh, yeah, I'd say pretty open. I mean, Jersey have been, I think this is their fourth time in Division 4 now. I can check that. Yeah, third or fourth time. They're, they've always been relegated. But the last one they played... Uh, was in uh, Los Angeles, and they did pretty well. They finished, I think, with three wins in the the tournament. It still went down. They beat USA in pretty dramatic fashion, which was uh, which was really cool. So I don't know. I think they'll they'll be they'll be confident of at least staying up, Jersey, uh, and if not more, possibly on this occasion because you know it is it's quite an open tournament. I don't know if there's there's not like an obvious favourite in there. It's quite exciting. The World Cricket League stuff is uh, it's pretty cool, and there have been some. You know, the, the Division Two tournament was very exciting uh, earlier in the year. Uh, Jersey have done well in the past, and you know they they got to that T Twenty qualifier a couple of years ago, and they've they've they're probably stronger now. They've got some some good players, so yeah, it's going to be quite exciting tournament to follow. It starts on uh, yeah Sunday the 29th of April, and then the final and the playoffs are on Sunday the sixth. So we probably won't do a podcast before then, but we can uh, certainly reflect on it. You'll be across it on your Twitter, though, won't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm sure you'd be following the action. 
but yeah, they, they, they've got some they've got some decent players. Uh, two of their players now actually have gone uh, or have just started with the MCC Young Cricketers program. The, 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 I think Jersey hasn't had anyone in there before, and I'm pretty sure Guernsey hasn't either. That's John T. Jenner, uh, who's a batsman, and Jake Dunford, a wicketkeeper. So that's quite cool for them. Didn't John T. Jenner get on the field in an England game? Yeah, last he was. Summer? Yeah, uh, substitute fielder. Yeah, twelfth man uh, for England at Lords last summer. He was he was with Sussex, but uh, yeah, now with this uh, on this MCC Young Cricketers program, which means that he's basically based at Lords. They play second eleven, second uh, in the second eleven championship, and I guess the hope would be you know to to move on to county again after that. We should get him on the show. Yeah, definitely. No, he's a really nice guy. Well, we should probably wrap this up, Tone. Uh, so, unfortunately, we're going to have to disappoint Daniel Wells, uh, who tweeted in to say that if you're out of ideas, just do Nick Knight impressions. So, we won't, won't have time to do that, I'm afraid. Anyway, I'd sort of stopped doing Nick Knight impressions because I thought, you know, have they had enough of them? Uh, but apparently the answer is... Terrible. No. Much like the arrival of the new royal baby... This episode of the World Cricket Show has sparked wild jubilation all across the nation and the Commonwealth, and indeed the world. Uh, people have been camped outside the studio here for several weeks, waving their Union Jacks and buying commemorative plates with Tony's face on. Uh, but unfortunately, it's about time to bring it to an end. It's been a big week, Tone. We've had another baby. Britain has had another baby. You were excited about this news, I imagine. It's about time, isn't it? Yeah, it's been ages since the last one. Yeah, I don't know. I, I recently watched The Crown, which I know you've seen, and I have to say it has made me a little bit of a royalist yeah. in some regards, but not enough of a royalist to get that excited about another royal baby. Yeah, I was listening to the radio the other day. Congratulations, uh, though, to, uh, <laughs> to Wills and Kate. Uh, like, I, I was listening to the radio. Yeah, they, they were talking to people who had literally been camped outside the hospital for weeks. Completely baffling to me. I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out on like season eight of The Crown or whatever. Yeah. Um, a quick, a very quick county update. You look shocked, Tone. Uh, so, so hang on. So county cricket comes below Royal Baby in the uh, running order. <laughs> yeah. That's a real, uh, yeah, the county aficionados will not appreciate well, that. Well, at least it's on the running order at all, which True. makes a bit of a change for us. But I've decided that we're going to start doing this. We're going to start trying to keep tabs on the county championship. We're two games into the season. Uh, Yorkshire are top of Division 1 after a win and a no result. On the other hand, it's been a bad start for their Roses rivals, Lancashire, who are bottom with two defeats from two games. Surrey beat Hampshire this week uh, with a four-wicket haul from a 19-year-old off-spinner, Amar Verdi. But arguably the story of that match was a magnificent rearguard action from New Hampshire signing Sam Northeast, who made 129 batting all day in an attempt to defy Surrey, unfortunately, in vain. He couldn't quite pull it off, but a brilliant innings. Could be an England call coming soon for Sam Northeast. I'd like to see that. I've been been screaming for him to get a call up for some time. I mean, the, well, the selectors and Ed Smith have, uh, you know, against this backdrop, this blurry The 100 backdrop, they do need to get their heads together and kind of work out what's going to happen uh, with this England side. Several batting places up for grabs, you would think. Uh, and Sam Northeast maybe putting his hand up. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that's got through everything on my running order. We've done 100 balls, IPL, Royal Baby, County Cricket, all the important things. Have you enjoyed yourself tonight? I've had a great time. We are back on our regular schedule now. I know we said that a while ago and then haven't been, 
but we actually are. We mean it this time. Uh, we're here to stay for the summer. So we'll be back in two weeks' time to talk about everything that's happened in the world of cricket. But between now and then, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, there are various things you can do to get more involved. We're on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. We're on Twitter at cricket show. We're on Instagram at world cricket show. Write a review on iTunes. Uh, if you like the show uh, and you want to support it, that's one of the best things you can do because it does really help to uh, bring new people to the show. So yeah, reviews on iTunes or tune in or wherever you uh, happen to listen to it would be much appreciated. And if you'd like to support the show in a financial way, there's a couple of, of ways to do that. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash cricket show. Or you can support us by doing your regular Amazon shopping uh, through our affiliate link on cricketshow.net. doesn't cost you anything extra, but we do just get a little bit of a kickback. So thank you very much to everyone who has been doing that. Oh, and yeah, if you, uh, if you can't get enough of Adam and Tony, why not check out some of our many, many other podcasts, uh, like the Little Film Podcast, where we talk about films. There's an episode of that came out last week, talking about Ready Player One. Uh, but yeah, that's just about it, I think. Stay in school, everyone. Thanks for having me around, Tim. Pleasure. How's that spaghetti bolognese sitting? Yeah, not too bad. I need to get the door open there because it's getting hot in here. It is. Really to get the sweats. <laughs> Got the spaghetti sweats. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Cheerio. It happens to us Can smell your fear. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.